0: So from, I mean, based on what you're saying and the strategy strategy that you have with with good positive cash flows, there's really not an intention in your plan, generally speaking, to turn these properties over, right? Like, are you holding most of what you've got or does some of your strategy also tie into, hey, if the equity is big enough or if the market jumps enough, do you plan to sell some, like as far as a short, medium, long-term strategy, or is it mostly
1: positive cash flow, hold it and just let the dollars keep flowing in? I want to hold it for the lifetime, at least my lifetime, however long that is. And, and... Building a successful real estate career
0: requires you to adapt, pivot, and constantly master new skills.
2: We're Katie and Daniel Steinfeld. We've built our own innovative brokerage. And in this podcast, we've assembled actionable tips and strategies that you can implement to take your business to its maximum potential.
0: It's time to level
3: up level up. the <laughs>
2: So guys, we're very happy to welcome Gary Hibbert to our meeting today. Um, Gary's been a great wealth of knowledge for us over the past few years, just in terms of from an investment standpoint. Um, Maybe Gary, if you want to give a bit of an introduction in terms of the brokerage and, and just what you guys do because um, there's a lot of stuff that's going on that you have going on and uh, definitely don't want to miss anything.
1: Yeah, sure. So I'll kind of jump in. I'll jump into the kind of the beginning and then kind of wrap it up. I, I won't spend too long on it, but I used to work in the uh, the corporate world, nine to five, worked at TD Bank. Uh, one day I kind of realized that I, I didn't want somebody to be control my financial freedom or future. Um, and I started looking, trying a few different things and got into real estate investing. And over the years, what I realized was that um, it was difficult to get ahead and outpace inflation by having a job. There's a there's a saying they say in the entrepreneurial world, you know, job stands for just over broke. Um, and so real estate was a vehicle that I used um, and it's done incredibly well for me over the years because it's something that's outpacing inflation. And from there, we started a real estate investment club to teach people. How to invest in real estate, even though when I started it, I knew nothing really about real estate investing, but I wanted to be completely transparent and honest, write newsletters every week of the success I was having and the failures I was having. Um, then from there, there was a real estate brokerage that saw what we were doing. We married Smart Home Choice, which is a real estate investment club, with the brokerage, where now we teach and train and mentor the agents there. And we've grown that now to about 130. Um, and we also do private lending and I also do a podcast. So that's kind of my, my, my story in a, a little bit of a quick nutshell. There. <laughs> so you're not
0: doing anything with your time. No, though, pretty no. Much. no.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I will, but I will say this and I'll add this into it is that, and I think you guys know this too, is that what I've done is, and we've, we've done this intentionally is create a life by design. And so even though we are incredibly busy as we are, we take July and August off. Um, there's a book called The 4-Hour Work Week. That's how I've kind of figured out how to do the 4-Hour Work Week. And so we shut it down. Um, You know, we're still servicing clients if need be, but very little work is being done during the summer. You know, one of my team members, he was down in Florida. The other one, I think he was out in the woods somewhere. I don't know where he is. So it's really important to us that we kind of take some time, step away, come back so that I can serve again and and, and give 120%. That's awesome. That's so inspiring. Yeah.
2: thank you yeah well okay so I know a lot of um, the team like there's a lot of them that have been approached by potential clients that are looking to get into the investment side of things um, and because you have had so much experience in that maybe can you talk a little bit first about how the market has changed um, investment in general I know market has gone down you do you specifically work in the Durham area or are you kind of
1: Across the board? Yeah. So we do work in the Durham region, but most of, I would say, almost 90% of what we're doing right now is in Peterborough and the cool okay. areas. So mm. one of the things that we've always done from the beginning and we will continue to do is if we need to, we will drive to buy. The numbers have to make sense. So when we first started investing back in 2008, we were doing Whitby, then we went to Oshawa, then we went went to Curtis and Bowmanville in 2010, when a lot of people didn't even know where Curtis and Bowmanville were, but we did our research, we did our homework. We saw that Walmart was setting up shop there And at the time we didn't have a whole research and development department and in our business. So they were doing the market research for us. So we followed where they were going and we did great there 2017 when the market went nuts and a lot of Toronto agents were coming into the Durham region and, Mm -hmm. uh, and kind of beating us up. We then had to look (laughs) for another market and we looked at Coburg, we looked at Peterborough and Peterborough made the most sense because here's what's really important when you guys are working with clients, and they're looking to invest in real estate is you wanna look at the fundamentals. Fundamentals are incredibly important. So what is the population growth? What's happening there with the population is going up or is it going down? Then you wanna take a look at job growth. Is jobs being increased? Is it growing or is it going down? Then you wanna take a look at uh, infrastructure. So for us, the 407 at the time was coming across the top. It hadn't connected yet to the 115. So to us, that was huge. That was a massive infrastructure change that was going to allow people to get in and out of that area easily and, and, and quicker. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then a fourth one is vacancy rates. So are vacancy rates going up or down and, and vacancy rates really just at a high level is just saying if you have 100 homes and you have a vacancy rate of 2%, that means that of 100 homes, two of them would be empty. And so in Peterborough, you have a vacancy rate of less than 1%. I mean, she's probably pretty much right across the board. Vacancy rates are incredibly low. Uh, and mm-hmm. so we like that market. And then also, too, because of where Peterborough was situated, it also expanded and opened up into tertiary markets. And tertiary markets, if you're not sure what they are, they're just third, third markets. So Buckhorn, Lakefield, uh, you know, uh, Bridge North. And so then families that couldn't afford Peterborough can move into these other markets that it opened up for us to buy investment properties in those locations as well too. And the numbers made sense. Right. I I hope I answered that question. I I threw a lot. uh, Yeah.
0: I mean to to build on that, and I, I I guess there's never a clear answer to any question because a lot of this is in the work that you do in evaluating each situation for what it is. but you like you mentioned infrastructure and that's yeah. one of the things you look at. like do you have some sort of a a line you draw between plans and speculation versus kind of what is already shovel in the ground stuff? So like for example, like people talk about a subway coming to areas forever, but yeah. God knows if it'll take 15, 20 years or if it's ever going to happen. Like, do you wait for like the drawings and plans and timelines to be in place before you decide whether something is like an infrastructure spot
1: or is it just trust in your gut and reason and logic more than that? The very first thing that I take a look at are the numbers. Do, do The numbers work. So I looked at so the fundamentals like, you know, is there the population there? Can I actually rent out this property and will it cash flow? So cash flow to us is always king. Then second, yes, then I'll take a look at the infrastructure. Okay, cool. They're they're saying that they're going to build a subway along this line. Okay, maybe I'll kind of buy in this area. But I I know what you're saying, though. It could be 10 years. It could be 15 years. But I'm not going to use that and bank on it because it it may come. It may not come because it depends on the political party that's in power as well, too. So those things can shift and change. So Mm -hmm. I'm looking more at what will this particular property here do for me today and also in the future? So I rarely, rarely buy anything off of speculation or pre-construction, not against it. It's just my investing style because I mm-hmm. wanna know what the interest rates are today. Um, can I take this property? Can I convert it to a two unit? Perfect, family upstairs, family downstairs at cash flows. Okay, I got a property. It's got some land on it, which we're doing a lot in Peterborough. Perfect. Once they uh, amend the bylaw, which they're working on right now, and I, I love to work closely with the city, then I can also build, which they're probably going to do in the next year or two, build a third property on there. So then now that creates even more cash flow. So I'm, that's what I really more pay attention to. That's All that's right. what's important to me. Thanks, Sam. So
0: from, I mean, based on what you're saying and the strategy strategy that you have with good positive cash flows, there's really not an intention in your plan, generally speaking, to turn these properties over, right? Like, are you holding most of what you've got or does some of your strategy also tie into, hey, if the equity is big enough or if the market jumps enough, do you plan to sell some? Like as far as a short, medium, long-term strategy or is it mostly positive cash flow, hold it and just let the dollars keep flowing in? I want
1: to hold it for the lifetime, at least my lifetime, however long that is. (laughs) And and the reason being, and the only time I would sell these properties now is if the properties that I bought in the beginning, because this usually happens, weren't good properties, or I was more focused on buying something cheap and not in a good location to then get out of that position to then move into another position. And the reason why is because and I think this is really important for everybody that's listening, is the last place you want to keep your money, and especially in today's environment, is in the bank. That is Mm. the worst place to keep your money. When you have inflation that is roaring at, what is it now, 8%, 9%, whatever it is, and I can tell you this, that number, 100%, is a lie. It is way higher than that. And the reason why I know this is, again, I love to spend time with a lot of people that are way smarter than me. I'm not that smart. I just hang with people that are really good at what they do. And I had an economist on one time and he had done some research to take a look at what were the basket of goods that they were using to measure inflation in the 80s. And it's completely changed to what they're using to measure inflation today. And he said, if you use that same basket of goods, you're closer to around eighteen to twenty percent. And so nice. then, if inflation is that, and you know, just go to the grocery store, you see what's happening there. Go take a look at what's happening with gas. Look, you know, anything. Um, and so, if you keep your money in the bank and you're not outpacing inflation, well, then you're losing. And one thing that I've found over the years that's been able to hedge that is is real estate. Mm-hmm. You can feel it. You can touch it. It's tangible. Right, it burns down. That we build it for me, and 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 here's another thing that I think is important too. I think people think that I love real estate and real estate investing. I don't. I don't love real estate investing. I love what it does for me. It's a vehicle. Period. Now there are people that love it that go up there, they're chasing the next deal, and that's fantastic. I teach and share what I'm doing because it's the best hedge. One of the best hedges against inflation. Here is the number one hedge against inflation outside of real estate. So real estate, I would say, is number two. Number one, and maybe I'll throw this out to anybody that's on the on the group if you guys want to you know, maybe at, try and see if you know what the answer is, what do you think the number one hedge against inflation is? Danielle, Ashley, Nadia, anybody, Jamie, what do you guys think the number one hedge against inflation is? So real estate is number two, at least from what I have seen over the years. sure anybody jump in anybody come on no are you leave me hanging
2: <laughs> they leave us hanging all the time too don't worry <laughs>
1: they're all saying just... that they're saying we know you yeah.
0: know the answer so
1: hey. <laughs> okay. okay so okay so i'll tell you the answer but i but i want this to be interactive gold oh, yeah. you know what gold. gold gold is gold is good as well too it's it's not bad but gold is more gold and silver is more of an insurance play because mm-hmm. If the economy goes uh, down or we go into a recession and now people flock to gold and silver, there's going to come a time when you're going to want to offload it. It's just that's more of an insurance play. Here's a number one hedge against inflation skill sets. Mm. The more skills you have, the more that you can adapt and pivot and change is the way that you can print money. That is how you outpace the government printing money is by having more skill sets. And what do I mean by that? Well, I can do real estate investing for myself. Um, I'm a co owner of a brokerage or bringing in other realtors that bring in money that way. Um, I have a podcast, I have sponsors, I'm bringing in money that way. Um, I do mentorship. So I coach and teach and train people um, how to get into real estate investing, how to create a life by design. Um, and so I'm always looking at new ways to pivot and adapt. And so that I never become a complainer in any environment. Like, okay, this is what's happening. Beautiful, pivot, adapt. This is what we're going to do next, right? We mm-hmm. saw what was happening at the beginning of the year. I told a lot of our investors to hold off in January and February. And then we, I didn't realize the interest were going to go up so high. So now we had to pivot and adapt and then go to listings. So I'm always pivoted and adapting, right? Because listing is not my specialty, but then we had to shift. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So always, always pivot and adapt and learn multiple skills. That's how you always stay ahead of inflation.
2: Yeah. That's so important. Uh Um, In terms of you as an investor right now, with the market the way it is, where, like, what is your strategy?
1: Uh, It's a good question. My strategy is slightly different because I've been in the market now for a little bit longer. So my strategy is, because I think when people get into it, they look at it and they're like, okay, I got to buy some properties. And then they get to this point when they really want to get to this point of maybe potentially leaving their full-time job. Because those are some of the people that I talked to, um, mm. they're like, okay, well, now I've got 10 investment properties. and you know Maybe some of you guys in the call are like, man, how can somebody get to 10 properties? And, and, I, and I can share and jump into that with you and how to do it. But then they're like, okay, well, then how much cash flow do I need? Because some properties might only cash flow 100 bucks, 200, some might cash flow five or 600 or a thousand. But then let's say now you have 15 or 20 properties and they're cash flowing and they're bringing in $5,000 a month. Can you actually live off of that? Because then don't forget, there's expenses, there's other things that happen. So that 5,000 may dwindle down to 2,500. So one of the things that we realized um, was that, well, do we need to get to that 50 to 100 doors? Because, man, that's a lot of work. To, to grow and scale to that size and so what we did was we revisited where we wanted to go reverse engineer how much income do we need to come in on a monthly basis sold a couple of our properties so that kind of went to your question daniel do i sell anything um we do and then we now became the bank and so we lend our money out. So yes, we're not getting mm-hmm. appreciation. Yes, we're not getting mortgage pay down, but we're getting good cash flow coming in on a monthly basis because we become the bank. So we have a combination mm-hmm. of properties that we hold and also becoming the bank with everything else that we do. So uh, that makes
0: perfect sense like you said in your situation where, you know, this is It's a portfolio that supports kind of a sustainable cash flow situation that's keeping not just the lights on, but keeping you comfortable in a way that is what you want to be doing. Now, when somebody comes to one of us as a, let's say it's someone who owns a house with their family, they've got some equity in there, they're throwing around the ideas, all all the same questions everybody asks. You know, hey, do I invest? Where do I invest? Should I get a HELOC? Should I do this? Should I, um, you know, should I go buy a pre-con? in the environment we're in right now, like you said, I mean, prices are down, interest rates are up. And if you've got somebody understanding every situation is different, but someone who's unsophisticated and wants some advice and says, listen, I just want to be in the market. And and I agree, real estate is one of those, if not the tangible asset that's going to outpace inflation. What are you telling them? Are you telling them today to hang tight? Are you telling them here's where to go? and again, it's it's different for everybody, but let's say someone says, listen, I've got some money and I want to invest. Is this an immediate let's get moving and here's what we should do? Or are we saying, hey, there's a lot of volatility with interest rates and prices and everything and let's hold for a few months right I'm,
1: now? Yeah, what I'm telling anybody that's coming into the market now or investors that have been in it for a number of years, I'm saying if you want to invest or if you're not too sure if you should or you shouldn't. Now is always the best time to invest. Actually, well, yesterday was the best time to invest, but now right. is always the best time to invest because I think people look too short-sighted. They're like, well, where is it going to be a year from now? No, no, no. That's not what we're buying this investment property for. Where do you think mm-hmm. it's going to be 10 years from now? That's mm-hmm. That's what you should be focusing on. Where's it going to be 10 years from now? This is an, an investment. It's an asset that you want to hold on to. And the reason why you want to hold on to it as well, too, why I think it's in, incredibly powerful is that now when you have that property, you've had it for 10 years, you can now go into that property, extract the equity from it tax-free. You don't pay any taxes on it. So that's like having an ATM, which is why the, the these these, these this, this product is so powerful and so good. So you want to hold that particular asset so yes go into it today but here's what you've got to do which is incredibly important is you have to learn how to run your numbers so so many people are just like okay well yeah i like that property, i'll buy it but well, hold on a second did you run your numbers what's the mortgage what's the tax what's the insurance what's the interest rates you're paying okay fine if you can get it for four percent or five percent or whatever it is run it at seven percent go higher mm-hmm can you can you can you convert this property right is there force appreciation in this particular property so th- so these are the things that we look at and pay attention to to make sure that each of our investors are buying great properties that i don't have to worry about uh you know is it in a good location is it not going to cash flow you know those are things that i want to make sure before they pull the trigger on it right? Mm-hmm. And then learn so they now can actually run the numbers themselves and feel confident before they pull the trigger on a property. That's important.
2: Are there any numbers that people miss? Like, what are the main things that people have to, like, what are the numbers that people should be making sure they're covering? Their That's a great with? question.
1: That's a great question. So mortgage tax insurance. So those are your hard numbers. Then mm-hmm. you have soft costs. Mm-hmm. Um, and soft costs, I don't know if you, do anybody know what soft costs are? Rose, i right? Oh, you changed your name. See, I'm paying attention. (laughs) Uh, So, so soft costs would be things such as vacancy rates. Okay. Okay. So now if you have a tenant in your property, you you would put a vacancy rate, let's say of 3%. So if your, your rent is $1,000, that means you're going to put aside $30 every month, but that money is still going into your bank account, but you're just Putting it there for a rainy day, just in case three years from now that tenant leaves. The other thing that you want to put in there is your maintenance cost. So typically for maintenance, we'll put 5%. So now you're going to put $50 away every single month for minor expenses, such as plumbing issues potentially, or, um, you know, maybe a couple of shingles blew off because of the wind. So you so now you get an $80 buffer every single month. And then the other one is property management. So hmm. typically, like where we are right now, we're using 8%, probably in Toronto, I think it'd it probably closer to 10%. So there's another $80 to $100 that you'd put aside. So those are your soft costs. Um, and then when you run your numbers, you want to include hard costs, soft costs, and all your expenses minus what your rent is, that is going to either give you a positive number or a negative number. And if it's mm-hmm. a positive number with all those costs in there, you know, you've got something good. If it's negative, well, then now, you know, you've got something where you have to really con- consider, hmm, should I move forward with this? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and look, here, here's something that we were looking at. I know when the market was doing incredibly well back in 2016 and 17, and even during COVID, you know, you, you see so many people buying the pre-construction and people have done incredibly well over the years i'm not knocking it by any means i want to make sure i'm very clear however the thing is, is that when you're speculating what if those interest rates go up and now you're running your numbers at 1.8 percent or two percent and now when you close you're at like five or six percent that is where you got to be very careful with the speculation piece and so one of the things that we were talking about I remember we used to do these events and fast start classes and teaching beginning investors coming in the analogy that we use, and uh, my partner used, it was actually kind of funny. He was, like, he was like, it's kind of like walking down the street in a neighborhood, and you see this party going on at two in the morning, and people are jumping off the roof into the pool in the back. There's red cups all over the front lawn. And you're like, man, this is a fantastic party. I need, I, I need to go in there. However, you know the cops are around the corner. Mm. And unfortunately, what ends up happening sometimes is that in these markets, when they're going up so strong and forever, it feels that the market can never turn or shift. But I've been in the 2008 market. I've seen what happened in 2017. And then we've seen what's happened now. And and, and then people are like, you know, is now a good time to invest? Yes. When people are fearful, be greedy. And when people are greedy, be fearful. That's a Warren Mm. Buffett quote. And this Mm. is a great time right now with this fantastic opportunities out there right? But you got to run your numbers. You really have to run your numbers and know your fundamentals. 100%. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, I do want to make sure I, I know that nobody's jumped in yet, but just so everybody knows, but I'm going to remind you all, now's the time to ask questions. <laughs> whether it's in the chat, whether it's out loud, Katie and I'll keep, keep talking because it's what we like to do. But, <laughs> but everybody yeah. here, I know you're all dealing with some potential investors and might have questions you want to ask as well.
1: Yeah. Listen, I'll, I'll say this to everybody that's on the call right now. There was a time when I'd be on these type of calls and I would never want to ask questions because I was always fearful or scared that the question that I was going to ask um, was, was dumb. Um, listen, I do a podcast. I ask dumb questions all week long. There are no dumb questions. Ask away. If this is something that you want to know or, uh, you know, you, you have a question that you're just not sure if you should ask or not ask, just go ahead and ask, right? Advice. yeah it's it's uh, there oh. we go Hurry yay <laughs> maria
3: okay hey, dumb question number one <laughs> <laughs> so you were mentioning um so you have your your uh, monthly income like what you're generating from let's say uh like a, a lease and um you were mentioning like the soft cars like um the uh, one is at 3%, maintenance cost at 5%, property management at 10%. So the cost based on the rental income, right? Is that mm, how you make the math correct. or how do you do it?
1: Yeah, it, that's, that is correct. Yeah. So if if the rent was $1,000, okay. then if it's 3%, it'd be $30, 30 for vacancy. Then, okay. Correct. 5% for maintenance would be $50 and property manager at 10% would be $100. So your, your, your soft cost would be $180. But that goes into your account. It's just a buffer, yeah. just in and case then, for your rainy day money.
3: And then hard costs are like uh, maintenance fees, or, or what do you cover under hard costs?
1: Correct. So if you bought a condo, maintenance fee was would be one. Your yeah. mortgage would be another one. Mm-hmm. Your taxes would be another hard cost, and your mm-hmm. insurance would be another hard hard cost.
3: Okay, just writing that down. Yeah. Thank you. So, so um, you, you said, um, because I have like a few clients, they're owning properties. Nice. So that wouldn't, wouldn't be like their primary residence. Um, so that means their uh, capital gains tax would be uh, or like the income tax would be taxed differently, right? It's like 50% of the capital gains or like how, how was the calculation? What do you usually recommend? Yeah, there's,
1: there's, I think there's two questions in there. So one is at the end of the year, let's say now they have a positive cash flow and they've, Mm -hmm. you know, they've, they've got some mortgage pay down. Yeah. um, Then that now would be added to be like an an act as an active income. I believe it's active income, right? So whatever tax bracket they're in. Mm-hmm. In regards to capital gain, that only gets triggered if they sell the property. Okay. So you wouldn't have, yeah, you wouldn't have to worry about capital gains until you sell the property. And that's what I was saying like earlier, where let's say you bought a home; it was a hundred thousand today,
4: mm-hmm. and let's
1: say five years from now, that home now is worth three hundred thousand. So it's- you can go to the bank, yeah, and 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 do a refinance and extract some of the equity in the mortgage pay down that's happened. Mm-hmm uh over that period of time to then use that money to then you can go on a vacation you can go buy a car but i would Mm -hmm. recommend go buy another asset and Mm -hmm. have that asset now fund your lifestyle
3: okay
1: okay thank you but yeah good question though Mm -hmm.
2: thanks um i have a question about just in terms of the types of property you're buying i guess two questions in that number one are you ideally looking for vacant homes or one, like, I'm just wondering how you work with tenants. A lot of times tenants, when you're moving in might be paying under market rents. And obviously we want to make sure we're treating tenants fairly, but I'm just wondering how you kind of balance that out. And the second question is more with regards to the, I guess, the renovations needed in the home. Are you taking homes that are more updated or um, how do you kind of treat that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So there's so many different styles of real estate investing out there and different strategies. So to answer that last question there, um, I always say there isn't a right or wrong strategy it's just what suits your lifestyle. Okay, so so find one, focus on it, and then master it. Like there's a BRRRR strategy, there's student rentals, there's conversion. So you, there's different strategies you can, you can do. Um, Sorry, what was the other question? Now, in oh, so in regards to the tenants now. So for the mm-hmm. tenants, um, I've seen investors do great on both sides. So they they there are investors that don't want to deal with any tenants and get vacant possession, right? Because then now you can charge whatever rent that you want to charge. There are other investors that actually look for properties that have tenants in it, right. and then what they will do, and and you've got to be obviously careful here but you also want to create a win-win scenario and so there are tenants where they're paying below market rent but you can do a cash for keys and if you can find out what their pain points are sometimes that you, you can offer them ten thousand fifteen thousand dollars and that mm-hmm. might be beneficial to them based on maybe where they may potentially go or they might be able to move in with a new a, a family member and that can now help them out where now it also helps you out because now you can go in there and renovate it and then ask for higher rents, right? So it's 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 you you want to make sure though that you have a good understanding and not taking advantage of of the tenants, yeah, right. That's really important, right? Yeah. But if it's a win win for both parties, then there's nothing wrong with that, okay, right? Perfect. So I see a lot of investors do that,
2: yeah,
1: right. But if they decide not to, then there's nothing you can do, right? Yeah. Wow. So you have to be aware of that as well too. And if, and if you're gonna go that route then you wanna have that contingency in there where you're running the numbers with those low rents and, and does that make sense though? Right, got
4: it. Hi Gary, how are you? Good Hassan, how are you? I'm good. So you know what, uh, I was in States last week. So in our discussion with our relatives and some people were coming from also Canada So some of them are interested to invest Uh either in like uh, Buffalo or Florida. So do you have any idea how to do that? Like people are going there, buying through their real estate agents and we can collaborate with the other side and also how to do that. Do you have any idea? And what is this tax structure? Like if Canadian invest there, what will impact their income tax at the end of the year? It's a great question.
1: Um, and I am not sure. So one of the things, and, 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 I'll, and I'll, I'll answer it, though, in, in full, is that when I first got into this market, um, and I was buying properties in the Durham region, um, because I had my realtor license, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go and buy in Barrie. And then I went up to Barrie, and I looked in Barrie, and I bought an investment property in Barrie, and I got lucky. I look back at it now, like I got lucky, I picked a grid area, I put the right street. But what if I didn't get lucky? Because I'm not an expert in Barry. So what I'm saying is I'm also not an expert in Florida and I'm not an expert in Buffalo. So what I've done over the years now is I find experts in each of these areas and then I partner with them. So now if somebody wants to go and invest in North Bay, I've got a great team in North Bay. I know very little about North Bay, but I can do a podcast with somebody in North Bay, or I can do a webinar with somebody in North Bay, and then I can pass my clients on to them, and then as a realtor, you get your, your referral. I would rather just do that, and at least now I know that they're in good hands with somebody who understands the Florida market, the tax implications, should you set up an LLC, every, anything else that they need to, to, to do, because I want to be an expert in my area, so that now when people come over or refer to me, they know I know Peterborough. I work with the city. I do podcasts with the city. I, you know what I mean? So I'm an expert in my area. So that's what I would recommend. Find an expert in each of those areas. Um, you know, you can always reach out to me. Or if you know somebody who is, then you can send your clients to them. That's what I would recommend. And then see if you can set up a referral-based business that way. Because now you're, you're all you're doing is you're handing clients off, and you're still making money. And it, it was like a, a quick email introduction. And then what I'll do is I'll also track it within. I use um, I use Infusionsoft. Um, you don't have to. You can use Mailchimp. Mailchimp is relatively quick, and then you just track your whole entire business. All right. Yeah.
4: All right.
1: I hope I hope that answered your question.
4: Yeah. So uh, basically, what you're saying is that you should concentrate in your command area. Like 22%. 100%. Yeah. You know why? There are diamonds in your
1: backyard. So, <laughs> so, so, so mine them. Yeah. Because I guarantee there's other people in your area that are experts that can find properties in Toronto that will cash flow. I know realtors right now, they're like, oh, there's all kinds of properties in Toronto, not to say all kinds, but there's properties that in Toronto that will cash flow. Go take a look on Kijiji. There are investors that are trying to rent other properties. Give them a call. Hey, you thinking about maybe selling? Maybe having a hard time with that particular property. There's, there's so many ways to, to make money in this business that you don't have to just do it one way. Right. So, even when, like in January and February, we switch from taking clients out and looking at properties to finding off market deals or reaching out to some of our clients. There's, there's this great program that, um, that, that we started doing. It's really good. I, I actually recommend it for you guys, where now we actually send out these monthly reports to all of our clients that ever bought homes on what is going on with their particular property. So they can see a snapshot of their portfolio every single month. And then they'll, they'll just reach out to us. Hey, you know what? I saw this, uh, my, the price of my home go up or down or whatever, have some questions. Um, maybe they want to buy more. Maybe we can extract some equity out of that property, go buy another property, right? That's just one idea of, of many out there. Wow.
0: I, I think that's like such an important thing you just touched on because I remember we had a bunch of realtors not from our brokerage we were doing a session about a year ago or maybe it wasn't because it was COVID so let's say it was more than a year ago <laughs> but the common comment from all these people who focused on investing was you just can't get positive cash flow now at that particular point in time that was their like consensus it just doesn't exist yeah, and we need to be content with the negative cash flow that's there because of appreciation and equity and all the other things. But I think what you said is really bang on, and people don't give credit to the fact that with enough work and research, there's positive cash flow opportunities to be found all the time, everywhere. And so I, I guess like to what you're saying, is it really just a function of the work you're willing to put in and the knowledge you're willing to try to pursue in determining where those opportunities are? Like, is it as simple as that is just put your head down, know what you're looking for and do the work and work the numbers and have smart people around you
1: to help out? 100%. Here's, here's what's actually even better than that. And, and look, I I would love to come back and even do a talk on how do you actually outline your, your goals and what is it that you're trying to focus on this year? Actually, if you can see right behind me, I should see a little whiteboard, literally Before I did this call with you guys today, me and my wife were up here, we were doing our mid-course correction. We use a whiteboard and we've been using that whiteboard for the last 12 years, consistently writing down everything that we want from how many properties we want to buy each and every year, what vacations we want to take, how much income do we want to have. Um, How many listens do we want? How many buyers do we want? How many members do I want for my business? Like everything. And at the end of the year, it's incredible. Some years, you know, we only achieve 50%, some years 80, some years less. But guess what, by doing that, I am ahead of 80 to 90% of the world's population, just by simply having clear defined goals. And if you want, I'd be more than happy to show you exactly how to do it step by step. There's a process of writing down your goals and how to do it and SMART goals. There's a whole system behind it. And, and, and so I actually teach a course on that as well, too, because that will then allow you to then write down what it is that you're trying to do. So now you have an agenda beside you to say, OK, this week I said I want to find uh, 10 off market deals this year. Boom, your agenda's here. You can focus on that now. So you're clearly defined as opposed to just jumping your email and going through different emails because eh, you're don't, you're not, you not you are not defined clearly. And I'll give you one last example why this is so important. As I remember in 20, 2011, I'd written down that I wanted four investment properties. And at the time, my mindset wasn't there yet. But I was like, OK, I'm going to see if I can do it. And at the end of the year, I had four investment properties. And I was like, ah, I get it. Has nothing to do with money. See, that's where people get it wrong. They think it has to do with money, that you actually have to have it in your pocket, and you don't. You physically do not have to have the money in your pocket. And, and here's a great analogy treat money like oxygen. Okay, here, here's a great example. I want you guys to all to do this with me. Okay, before we wrap it all up. Okay, if oxygen is so important, okay, okay, breathe out and then breathe in, okay, and hold it forever forever hold it forever you can't right that's how you treat money treat it like oxygen become attractive use it when you need it and it's okay to let it go when you don't because then now by writing down what you want the how is none of your business and when your why gets stronger right um purpose is stronger than object Right. And there's a great quote by Jim Rohn. Make the goal to become a millionaire, not for the money, but for the person you will become to achieve it. And at the time when I heard that quote, it didn't register. But if you listen to it and you say it enough times, make the goal to become a millionaire. Right. And you're like, oh, okay, for the money. No, it's not for the person you will become to achieve it. So the person that I am today, the the problems that I can solve are so much more bigger than the problem I could solve 12 years ago. It's the transformation that changes you. Mm. And so, yes, if you want to buy four or five properties, you could, you just have to be able to transform and hang around the right people. I know I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent there, but I think that's really important. I
2: love that. No, it's so great. I love Jim Rohn too. He's got so many great quotes and uh, stuff. Yeah. Um, But that was amazing. And we loved, I love to Chat offline to figure out how we can do one of those um like goal planning sessions because i think that's so incredible just to have the goals right in front of you i think that's really important to see every single day and just remind
1: yourself of that it's um, incredible yeah, yeah it really is we, we wrote down on the beginning of the year to buy a property in mexico we yeah. just closed on a property in mexico i wasn't oh sure God. how i was going to get the money <laughs> but you just you just the how just there's, a, it, it, yeah. there's a book out there right now is it um is it who, not how? That should mm. be, that's a great book for, for the group to read. Yeah, yeah, right. that's great. Kind will write
2: that down. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was You're great. Welcome. I'm going to re-listen to this after because there were so many great uh, pieces of information, so much knowledge shared. And um, and now I want to go out and buy, <laughs> buy an investment property. <laughs> Daniel, I'm coming home and I'm like, okay, how can I'll, we do I'll, this?
0: Get, I'll get the whiteboard <laughs>
1: cleared off. well i I hope that helped i really do you know yeah um, no i enjoyed doing this
2: yeah we loved it and um we'll be sure to share your information if guys if you're ever looking for um you know investment properties out in Peterborough area or wanting to learn a bit more about those opportunities gary is the guy to talk to and his team uh, they are incredible to work with and uh yeah thank you again for doing this
1: you're welcome anytime happy to help and i would so love much. to come back anytime reach out okay Awesome.
2: all right thanks so much gary
1: all right guys take Very care good. enjoy the rest of bye. your day bye
3: yeah bye